At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. What up, folks? Two hours up on deck here for Hardwood Handicappers. Good show on tap. We've got three guests with you today. Raheem Palmer is going to be with us. Of course, senior NBA writer for uh, Action Network, also Better Collective. He's going to be talking a little bit about the Philadelphia 76ers perspective of things as the 76ers got quite the task in front of them, beating Miami Heat without Joel Embiid for the very least two games. Also today, Patrick Everson. Uh, props.com is going to be with us. Give us a down low uh, on that series in terms of a betting perspective, how the books are looking at it, how they reacted to the news of Joel Embiid and then Doug Kazarian. Uh, VSPN is going to be with us 45 minutes from now to discuss everything association, his angles on what is happening in the NBA. We do have games that are underway right now, well, one game. And uh, this is, if it is going to be a win for the Golden State Warriors, a missed opportunity for the Memphis Grizzlies. So the Grizzlies still have work to do with 7.23 left to go in the fourth quarter. 103.97. Golden State up on top. In game, you see the number right there. Warriors a six and a half point favorite. Total 234 and a half. Interesting because this total actually opened 217 and a half. Got up to as high as about 220 or so. Uh, and now we're in that range, at least in game, about those totals that the Grizzlies were seeing in that series with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Story here, though, there's multiple storylines for this game at this point right now. The first being. Uh, Draymond Green not playing for Golden State. If you haven't been paying attention, Draymond Green uh, gets ejected for what I would call a uh, somewhat soft flagrant two. He is not playing here for the Golden State Warriors. The Grizzlies actually led by as much as 13 points in the first half. Uh, now trail, though. They are down 12-7 in this fourth quarter of play. Got outscored 36-29 to in this third quarter. For the Golden State Warriors, leading scorer at this point right now, uh, look no further than Jordan Poole, who was relegated to the bench for this game, at least to start at 31 points, 12 of 20 shooting, 5 of 10 from three-point range, to go along with six rebounds and seven assists. Poole has been absolutely fantastic for the Golden State Warriors, been part of this pretty good run, a majority of which Steph Curry was on the bench for, that has given the Golden State Warriors this lead in the fourth quarter. And for the Memphis Grizzlies, three-point shooting has been pretty good, 15 of 35, but one guy is at the center of it, Jaron Jackson Jr., 28 points, nine rebounds, five of seven from three-point range. Triple J getting some work done at this point right now. So, again, we'll keep an eye on this. We're at a break at this point right now. But, obviously, game one of this Western Conference semifinal series, in which before the series started, uh, the market was doing some interesting things. We saw the Westgate Superbook open as low as about $2 for this series price for the Golden State Warriors. We saw DraftKings open as high as about minus 330 on this series price in favor of the Golden State Warriors. Everything kind of moved in the middle, and depending on where you shopped, you were looking at somewhere in the range of minus 240 or as high as minus 275 for the Golden State Warriors to win this series. So, we will see. Personally, nothing at stake right now in Game 1. And this is, you know, this is, uh, we'll see what ends up happening, but as I was texting with Doug, uh, Doug Kazarian of ESPN, fame and fortune will be with us later in the hour. 
uh, had a heavy lean here toward uh, Golden State. But ultimately, uh, when a lot of smart people disagree with you, you tend to listen to them, so we'll see what's going to happen here. But the, a lot of smart people were right to begin with. This is a pretty good matchup, man. And Memphis does have a lot of strengths that they can use. It's why they opened up that double-digit lead at the beginning of this game. They got a lot more size. Jaron Jackson, Jackson Jr. even starting at center. And uh, Xavier, Xavier Tillman uh, in that front court gives them a pretty good edge in terms of size, although Tillman only with 13 minutes at this point right now. And uh, John Morant with the ability to get in the paint against a smaller front uh, backcourt in the Golden State Warriors. So we'll see how that plays out over the course of this series. Uh, but right now, Warriors inbounding the ball again, 723 left to go in this game. And a good one, man. And so far, we've had a good start to the semifinal round at this point because earlier today, the Milwaukee Bucks and the Boston Celtics went at it in a very fun game. Final score, 101-89. to 89. The Milwaukee Bucks get the win over the Boston Celtics. They actually closed as a five-point underdog in some spots. And you can go back, I think it was the last five games uh, game last five game ones I should uh, put it specifically for Milwaukee. They had failed to cover in the postseason. Historically, not a good game one team, but Milwaukee really got it done today. And I think one of the biggest differences here for the Boston Celtics, and they even said so after the game, uh, was you can you can sweep Brooklyn and you can beat up on a relatively. You don't call them. I don't call them soft in terms of an insult, uh, but they are soft in terms of the way they play defense. Not as physical as a team like the uh, Milwaukee Bucks. Give the Bucs all the credit in the world. They were very physical right out of the stretch against the Boston Celtics. They were coming up on screens, picking up guys pretty much full court. It was much different than the defense that the Boston Celtics were facing in that first round against the Brooklyn Nets. They said as much, and it was a brilliant performance against two of the better players. Jason Tatum kind of got it going late. He was 4-9 from three-point range, but overall 21 points, three turnovers, 6 of 18 from the floor, Jason Tatum. And Jalen Brown, dealing with a hamstring injury, as we know, only 12 points, 4 of 13 from the floor. Seven re- or excuse me, nine rebounds, good for him, but seven turnovers for Jalen Brown. And turnovers, the story of the game here for the Boston Celtics. 18 turnovers for the Boston Celtics in this game. Looking a, a little bit rattled by a, by a different-looking set there defensively for the Milwaukee Bucks. And now this is, as we move forward, what's going to be a big difference here for Milwaukee if they're going to get production out of others. Grayson Allen had 11 points off of the bench. He was fine. He was 3 of 6 from three-point range. But outside of that, eight points from Pat Connaughton, seven points from uh, Javon Carter. You might need a little bit more bench production uh, when you go forward into this series. By, by no means is this series over. But the Boston Celtics, when they faced this defense, uh, looked a little shell-shocked. Like, uh, oh, wow, it wasn't this hard when we, were playing, uh, when we were playing the Brooklyn Nets. All right, transition possession here for the Memphis Grizzlies as they are only down by four now, 103-99, 6.31 left to go. Jaron Jackson Jr. continues to do it, man. Top of the key three. It is a one-point game, 103-102, Memphis trailing with 6.23 left to go in the fourth quarter. The uh, What should have been defensive player of the year, uh, getting it done on offense, a 9-0 run for the Memphis Grizzlies as they have cut into this big lead for the Golden State Warriors. But a clay three-pointer is no good. Offensive rebound for the Warriors, and they're going to reset here um, with 6.05 left to go in the fourth quarter. Clay Thompson, kudos to him too, man. A really good game up to this point for Clay Thompson. Uh, at least in terms of some pretty big moments. Overall, not great. 12, uh, 12 points, 5 of 16, 2 of 7 from three-point range. Uh, 5 of 17 will correct it. Uh, but overall, really big buckets, especially here at the beginning of the fourth quarter uh, that allowed the Golden State Warriors to cut into that deficit and eventually take the lead. So Warriors got the ball, 540 and rolling in the fourth quarter. Going back to Milwaukee and Boston, uh, really intrigued to see what the market's going to do with, Golden, or excuse me, with, uh, with Boston as we move forward. So if you read the newsletter earlier this morning, uh, the play for the column was Milwaukee plus four and a half. And the thinking behind it, as you put in the column, was, you know, Boston maybe being a little overvalued by the betting market. 
if you looked at it just comparison from game one of the series against the Brooklyn Nets to game one against the Milwaukee Bucks, laying a bigger number at home against Milwaukee, and yes, Chris Middleton not playing, but Milwaukee, even without Chris Middleton, rates higher than the Brooklyn Nets in current, you know, their current construction, the way that they were currently constructed uh, in that series against Boston. And so just from a number standpoint, seemed to be some value on the defending champs. Although I came into the series thinking that Boston would win it, uh, it did seem that the market was maybe a little too high on the Celtics. So Milwaukee wins the game outright. What do we see here for game two? Well, game two pops up on the screen. Celtics minus four with a total of 215. So now you're already starting to see that adjustment. It's always key to keep track of these things as you move forward throughout series. There has already been an adjustment here. They close five at most spots, the Boston Celtics do. In this first game, they lose outright. So they open up minus four in this second game against the Milwaukee Bucks. There's also a really um, really strong argument to be made uh, that uh, home court hasn't been worth that much and been keeping track of it throughout the postseason. Still only worth one point at this point right now. All right, we're at a break right now. 5.08 left to go in the fourth quarter. Golden State Warriors holding a 105-102 lead over the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, really quick, Kevin Pelton had a great stat on this with the Celtics and uh, Bucks series. Uh, Kay Pelton up on uh, Twitter. He's, uh, he works for ESPN. How about this? Teams that win game one on the road by double digits, so that would be the Milwaukee Bucks today, have gone on to go 2-10 and ten in the series over the last decade. And, of course, that happened with Memphis and Minnesota in round one, right? Memphis loses the first game by 13 points, so Minnesota goes on the road in the first game, wins by double digits, goes on to lose the series. So, again, teams that win game one on the road by double digits have gone 2-10 and ten in the series over the last decade happened with Memphis and Minnesota in round one. So keeping track of that trend as you move forward into the postseason uh, is going to be a lot of fun. All right, so as we move on past that and the adjusted series price as well, just to give that to you for the uh, Boston Celtics and the um, Milwaukee Bucks, Bucks now favored in the series, minus 140. How about that flip, huh? Home court advantage, it's worth something. You win game one, they were $2 favorite, minus 210 before the, uh, the first game. Now you're getting plus 120. Best price on the Boston Celtics to win that series over Milwaukee. So we we start with the top headline here. Joel Embiid, out indefinitely with a concussion, orbital bone fracture as well, suffered the injury when he took an elbow to the face on a Siakam drive in that closeout game in Toronto. Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski with the multiple of the reports here. Results still pending, but sources told ESPN, as you see this, that Joel Embiid will not travel for games one and two. Optimism, he could return as soon as either game three or four in Philadelphia. Needs to clear concussion protocol. See Dr. Midweek on his orbital fracture. Uh, we're not going to give a pop to the show. Uh, but regardless, and this is kind of what I, I figure when you looked at the series price and the way the market really re- At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
reacted, right? And for game one, we'll get to the game one analysis of it. But when you were seeing prices in the range of, of about $4 on, on the Miami Heat, a little bit higher than that, and this is why I always say, and it, it happens with game-to-game information as well, if you actually paid attention to the information that was out there about Joel Embiid, concussion protocol, the minimum of five days, could come back potentially, wear the mask, but yet the market was like, nope, no, 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 450 on the Miami Heat. We're going to overreact to this. So how they react going forward here, what it means for Philadelphia, it's going to be pretty fascinating. And again, in 30 minutes from now, actually 15 minutes from now, Raheem Palmer's going to be with us, a Philly guy. We'll get his thoughts on it. Got a really good read on the 76ers and the NBA in general. But as you're talking about a series price now in the range of about minus 380, yeah, implied probability that's pretty high there in favor of the Miami Heat. I do think that there was an initial overreaction here by the market to drive them as high as minus 450. And we've since seen an adjustment with the news that Embiid could be back in games three and four. On the other side, again, we'll keep you up to date here. John Morant makes it a one-point game, 105-104, 439 left to go in that contest. Uh, Let's take a look at the numbers for the Philadelphia 76ers with and without Joel Embiid. And um, something that's not really great for the Philadelphia 76ers, potentially Doc Rivers saying that they're going to go with a center by committee and the time without Embiid. We'll tell you what that means when we come back here on Hardwood Handicap. All right, welcome back in. It's a two-point lead for the Golden State Warriors. 110-108, 3.05 left to go in the fourth. Now, I have to say, Andrew Wiggins just went to the free throw line. He just hit two free throws. Uh, Brandon Clark was called for the foul. Um, Brandon Clark's been incredible in this postseason, and he's been incredible for the Memphis Grizzlies since he has been a part of this team. Uh, For those who don't know, and I tweeted this out earlier, everybody remembers as uh, Dylan Brooks gets a lane to the basket, ties the game up 110 with a nice slam. Um... Everybody will remember Brandon Clark as the kid who played for Gonzaga for a year, his transfer season. Well, somebody who back in the day uh, used to cover Mountain West hoops for a local radio station out here. Um, I remember the Brandon Clark as well, who played in the empty gymnasium of San Jose State for two years. 61 games over there. Um, a terrible gym. I think like 20 people showed up. It's a, it's a shot at San Jose State basketball. But still, uh, a uh, Morbin program who has not been very successful recently. Yeah, Brandon Clark played 61 games for that team, uh, for that program, and here he is making a massive difference. And as is, uh, wow, look at this, Memphis. John Morant is going to get this plus the foul from Jordan Poole, so he's going to go to the bucket. It is 112 to 110. Morant with the finish and and one. So let's see if he can make this a, a three point play with 219 left to go in the fourth. Just blows by Poole. Poole, yep, he just got over overreacts there and bumps him while he goes up. Morant, Morant's incredible, man. You give him credit. Morant is absolutely great, and especially in these fourth quarters. You know, you could talk about performances where you're shooting about 40% from the floor, uh, but when the time comes to show up, he shows up. So we'll see Morant at the free throw line with 2.19 left to go, looking to make it a three-point game with a made free throw here. So let's talk a little about Philadelphia and uh, what the 76ers have in store for them here in this series against the Miami Heat. John Morant's free throw is no good. Uh, and that's going to go out of bounds on Dylan Brooks. So that is going to be a ball for the uh, Golden State Warriors. 112, 110, 219 left to go. So a uh, center by committee in the time that Joel Embiid is going to be out. Again, we know he's not going to be there for games one and two. Uh, what that means, well, on the floor, uh, we know that the Philadelphia 76ers are pretty good with Joel Embiid. Plus 7.9 net rating, an offensive rating of 116.9. I see, I don't know if I can do this. A step back three for Curry is uh, no good. 
but the Warriors are going to get the offensive rebound, and Andrew Wiggins is going to all by himself with a restricted area. They're going to tie this game uh, with two minutes left to go. Like, this is what do we do here? Like, do I do I try to commit to actually doing something in terms of having a legitimate conversation? But you can't, man. This game has been, and this is the cool part. This game is turning out to be everything we had hoped for, and I think this series is going to be just like this—a very, very competitive, well-played uh, series that is going to be uh, somewhat long and bitter. It's going to be fantastic. John Morant again. Spins to his right, works on Clay Thompson, finishes with a nice little push shot. So that's going to be 114-112, 141 left to go. A reminder uh, that the Golden State Warriors closes about a two-and-a-half-point favorite in this game pre-flop. Uh, Gary Payton is going to uh, – Gary Payton the second is going to get the ball in the restricted area all by himself again. Uh, so they're helping and they're doubling guys, uh, but they're uh, forgetting the guard cutters to the basket and everything. So that's another easy bucket that the Memphis Grizzlies have given up here. So 114 all with 90 seconds left to go in this game. You, how about this? Just replay the last hour, guys, and we're going to sit here and watch the rest of this series. How about that? Uh, no, a missed shot for the Memphis Grizzlies, but that's going to go out of bounds. It looks like it's going to go out. They're going to call it off of Memphis, which to the eye looked like it was off of Golden State, and there are many complaints. So it uh, looks like it's going to be Golden State ball here with uh, just over a minute left to go in this game. So, you know, the Warriors, it, when you're watching this game too, when you think about where they were at the start of this game, it was almost like Milwaukee at the beginning of their first game with Boston. Their first quarter today for Milwaukee was awful. Uh, you, it, like I actually, so I had I, I was on Milwaukee and I sat there and I'm like, boy, I better find a way to get off of this. Like that's how poorly the first quarter went for Milwaukee. I thought, and yet they were there at the end of that first quarter with a lead, and sure enough, went on to win that game. Uh, but it got off to the worst start it possibly could for Golden State. And ultimately, though, they're in a shot. They're in a spot here to win this. So we're at a break. One fourteen, all one seventeen left to go in the fourth quarter as they try to sort this out in terms of uh, who it went off on and uh, what possession it's going to be. So let's touch on Philadelphia before we get to Raheem Palmer, who's going to join us in about 10 minutes from now. So simply put, Philly's really good with Joel Embiid off, uh, on the floor. They're not really good when he is off the floor. Net rating when he's on the floor, 7.9. They outscore opponents by 7.9 points every 100 possessions. When he's off the floor, they outscore their, or they get outscored by 3.4 points every 100 possessions. Their defensive rating goes from 109 to 113.2 in the minutes with him um, not on the floor. So you look at this and you hear Doc Rivers say, well, we're going to play center by committee, and you break down what the center position is behind Joel Embiid. And Paul Reed was the primary backup of the series against Toronto, did a solid job, 4.2 points per game, 3.5 rebounds, uh, 0.7 steals, 10 minutes per contest against the Toronto Raptors, switchable body defensively, especially against like a, a, a somewhat smaller but athletic Toronto team. You can get away with something like that. But you're going to have to match sides a little bit more here in this series against Miami. Uh, that would be Bam Adebayo and company. Uh, and you're going to, and potentially Dwayne Dedman too. And you look at the rest of this. Uh, by the way, I would assume that's going to be out on the Golden State Warriors. It looked like that went between Andrew Wiggins' legs. So I would think that the Memphis Grizzlies are going to get possession here um, with uh, just over a minute to go. 117 left to go in that fourth quarter. So you would assume that Philly's going to have to match some size at some point, which means either Paul Millsap, DeAndre Jordan, Charles Bassey, a rookie, is going to get time at center here. And if that's the case... That's not very good for the Philadelphia 76ers. How about this? Other centers on the floor for the Philadelphia 76ers. DeAndre Jordan, they get outscored by 7.5 points every 100 possessions. Paul Millsap, they get outscored by 13.3 points per 100 possessions. The defensive rating with DeAndre Jordan at center, 119.6. The defensive rating with Paul Millsap on the floor, 129.1. Not really good. And so now, as you move forward into the series, you can understand making an adjustment. You obviously understand how important Joel Embiid is. If you look at it, Philadelphia, 
minus 17 in the last four games with Toronto when Embiid was on the bench. So if they're not going to have Embiid for a majority of the series, obviously a massive blow, but I think you got to ask if the market overreacted here as we kind of touched on with that series price, and it does seem to be the case. Lob pass for none other than Brandon Clark is going to give the Memphis Grizzlies a 116-114 lead uh, with the clock ticking away, 112 left to go in this final quarter of play between Golden State and Memphis. Again, game one of this uh, Western Conference semifinal series. Again, under the basket, you got somebody who's all by himself. It's Gary Payton. He's going to find his way out of some trouble here. And from the left wing, Clay Thompson's going to put up a three. It's going to be no good, but you're going to get an offensive rebound, and the Warriors are going to get time to potentially tie this game or take the lead. And who other than Jordan Poole gets it, but it's going to be Curry who takes the ultimate shot. And that's going to be a missed attempt. So this is a... And man, this is quite the possession here for the Golden State Warriors. Looks like, are we going to get a jump ball? Yep, we're going to get a jump ball now between the Clay, between Clay Thompson and Dylan Brooks with 42.9 left to go. A little bit of a tie-up there as everybody was diving for a loose ball. So, 42.9, 116-114, Memphis with the lead with this time left on the clock, trying to take this 1-0 series lead over the Golden State Warriors who closes two-and-a-half-point favorites on the road. A total closed to 220. So I'll let you guess whether or not that game went over the total at 116-114, which uh, it did. So, all right, with that in mind, so you ask yourself, should Miami be this big of a favorite given everything going on with the Philadelphia 76ers? And I would say when you're talking about a uh, implied probability of 79.2% on the series price that was before you got the adjustment and after the news that uh, there is a chance that he, Embiid, could play in games three and four, uh, that could potentially be uh, a little bit of an over-adjustment by the market. And then you get the other part of this, too, for Miami, which is should be noted, not entirely fully healthy. Kyle Lowry, we already know, is not going to play in game one for Miami. Jimmy Butler is going to play in game one, returned to practice yesterday. But he's been pretty beat up himself and has been dealing with knee inflammation and other injuries that actually caused him, if you remember, miss a game against the Atlanta Hawks. So 42.9, we got a jump ball here, 116-114. It is the Memphis side of the floor. And it does look like this is going to be out on Dylan Brooks and a Golden State ball. So with 39.7, do believe that the Golden State Warriors are going to get possession here against the Memphis Grizzlies. Down by two in the final 40 seconds of play. Of course, these refs, you got to make sure. You got to make sure. You got to make sure. Yep. All right. So Jordan Poole is going to inbound this ball. Again, Warriors down by two here in the waning seconds of this first game in this series. Yeah, and I thought, too, you know, I was tempted because I, was, I did not really like Memphis' performance against the Minnesota Timberwolves in that first series. Um, but ultimately, they are proven to be a pretty good matchup here. As Klay Thompson gets the inbound, pump fakes, gets his guy to go up, comes back, and hits a three. 117-116. You see that crowd, too, by the way? I'll let you guess whether or not it's a, a pro-Golden State crowd, but when I was sitting out there before the show, there were, there were many cheers for the Warriors, who happen to be a road favorite, and not many cheers. Uh, win the Memphis Grizzlies. John Morant drives, gets packed, and it's going to be a Warriors ball. Uh, the shot clock is off, so now we're down to the free throw shooting contest if they can get it done. And uh, the Grizzlies are not fouling. There you go. Now you're going to get the foul. So 11.2, good situation to be in if you're the Golden State Warriors. 11 and two tenths left on the clock. You're going to be at the free throw line, up one, hit both of them, go up by three. And this is the thing now, right? We always talk foul. You foul if you hit both, you foul here. You have to, uh, but not a lot of teams really do that in these situations. John Morant, yeah, a good defensive play there for the Warriors. I couldn't see who actually swatted that ball. I think Steph Curry. Yep, Steph Curry actually with the block on that from John Morant. See, he's more than a scoring guard. Curry needs to get his due. He's actually a pretty good defensive player, and he is uh, added to his repertoire on that end of the floor. And, again, we should note, for those who are just joining us who haven't been following with this game every single second, 
Remember that Draymond Green was ejected in this game. So again, if the Memphis Grizzlies cannot pull this off, you got to chalk this up as a massive missed opportunity for Memphis if they can't win a game in which Draymond Green was ejected early on. So And they led by 13 in the first half. Again, 13-point 13, 13 half uh, First half lead, not much in the NBA. So Jordan Poole looks like he's going to be at the free throw line. We'll come back. Raheem Palmer is going to be with us more on the Philadelphia 76ers. All right, we got 3.6 left to go on the clock. 117-116. Drama. Drama unfolding right now between Golden State and Memphis. Uh, what has happened, to fill you in here, Clay Thompson at the free throw line, a 90% free throw shooter, but a guy who has only averaged uh, this season alone 1.6 free throw attempts per game, misses both free throw attempts. Ball goes out of bounds, jump ball one by the Memphis Grizzlies, it looked like. So right now, the Grizzlies down by one, 3.6 left to go. They're sorting out the shot or the clock and everything is uh, the second that the Grizzlies maintain possession on that uh, jump ball. They called the timeout. So it looks like we're going to get about 4.1 left to go uh, on the clock or so in this fourth quarter between these two. So Grizzlies are going to have a chance. 3.6 left to go in the fourth quarter. 117-116 again. Warriors uh, up on top. Raheem Palmer is uh, nice enough to give us some time. Uh, senior NBA senior writer, uh, NBA analyst, does a lot more stuff for the Action Network as well. Uh, Raheem, it's good to talk to you, buddy. I appreciate this uh, because uh, with one point difference between the Warriors and Grizzlies, with 3.6 left to go, this is high drama. What's going on, man? Man, life is good, man. I can't complain. You know, we just in here just enjoying NBA playoffs. Um, we picked up a couple winners earlier um, in that, um, that Bucks celtics game. So I'm just excited to you know, see the NBA playoffs. <laughs> what, what were you on in, in that Bucks celtics game? Because I, I like this Celtics team. I got them at 66-1 to win the finals, but I, I thought the market was a little high on them from a – from a side perspective, what'd you have in that game? I had the, the Bucks first half money line. I had, um, which I mean, that pretty much hit. And then I had um, Grayson Allen over 10 and a half points, yeah. Grayson Allen over threes. The only loss I had was the over. I just thought the Celtics offense would perform a little bit better. I still, I still was a little bit down on, on the Bucks defense because, you know, their regular season priors weren't as good. And I just, I knew that they would give up a ton of open threes. But the Celtics were just 18 or 50 and couldn't knock anything down. And then the Celtics, obviously, they have a, a dominant defense. So they held the Bucks to about 101 points. Giannis didn't have his best game. So the game didn't go over. But, I mean, I, 301 on that game, I can't complain at all. All right, well, we're all done here. 117-116 is going to be the final score. Uh, it did look like the uh, Memphis Grizzlies got a somewhat good look at it, but too strong of a layup there is not going to go down. And the Warriors are going to escape with a one-point victory and a 1-0 series lead. Uh, Raheem, how big of a missed opportunity is this for Memphis? Draymond Green gets ejected early in the game. You got a double-digit lead in the first half. It kind of showed, you know, the Golden State Warriors, not so much that they're the better team, but they have a lot of playoff experience, and it kind of helped them out here. Oh, it was absolutely huge. I mean, it's, it's ironic in some ways because this Grizzlies team, they dominate on the offensive glass. And, look, the Warriors out there with no Draymond Green, they're playing a small ball lineup. And they still just couldn't get these crucial rebounds. And at some point, you know, Steph Curry missed a ton of open threes down the stretch. At some point, you knew that somebody was going to end up making a three. So they they got burnt by the fire that they're normally burning teams with. I mean, obviously, you got a, a game from Jared Jackson Jr. where you got six and nine from three, 33 points. You got to win that game. So I think this might have completely just ended the series with them. Yeah, it lost uh, home court advantage, obviously, with that victory. So we'll see what happens uh, coming up in game two. But the Warriors. Uh, do not cover. 
before the game started, they were about a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Game goes well over the total, so I'm sure we'll see an adjustment there because uh, this this total opened before the show, uh, before the game uh, at 217, ended up closing in the range at 220. All right, let's go to your neck of the woods, man. Philadelphia 76ers, a, uh, a really – I thought it was a good series win over Toronto. I had bet Toronto in the series uh, in the games that they won outside of that overtime win, uh, outright dominance by the 76ers against Toronto, something that you probably expected against the shorthanded Raptors team, but – uh, snake bitten somewhat. Joel Embiid, we know he's going to miss the first two games of this series. So before you came on, I was kind of making the case that before we got the news that he's going to be out games three and four, that the market kind of was overreacting just a little bit here. Like Kyle Lowry isn't going to play in game one. We know that. Uh, Jimmy Butler, while he is going to play, hasn't been fully healthy. How much uh, of a death blow is this for Philadelphia in your mind that Joel Embiid is not going to be out there for the first two games? I think it's a death blow for the series, but I don't think it's a death blow overall. Like, honestly, I'm taking the Sixers plus eight in game one. Yep. I mean, when when you look at the, these teams, look, what has James Harden done throughout his entire career? He's taken four shooters and just going out there and said, you know what, we're going to play ball, we're going to go small on you, and we're going to outscore you from three. And the Heat, they're 30th in opponent frequency of three-point field goal attempts. They're giving up almost 41% of opponent field goal attempts from three. So I think the Sixers can – I mean, this is the assumption of rational coaching. And you got to expect Glenn Rivers to be rational here and not play DeAndre Jordan. But I think if you give hard and, and four shooters, they can go out there and, and score enough to keep this game close and possibly win. And then when you look at the Heat, they're not completely healthy either. Kyle Lowry is out. Jimmy Butler's dealing with a knee injury. Um, P.J. Tucker is a little banged up. Now I expect all these guys to have Lowry to play, but I still think the Sixers can kind of keep this game close and possibly catch the Heat off guard and possibly win game one outright. But I just I think the Heat are the better team. They'll probably emerge, but they, they can they can make some moves in game one. Yeah, uh, so we're in agreement there. 76ers plus eight was going to be the play for me too in this first game. Uh, for all the reasons that you mentioned. So my worry here for Philly is, and you kind of alluded to it, I guess would be, are they really going to kind of turn into that team? Like you mentioned the three-point frequency that Miami allows. They're also dead last in the league in terms of open three-pointers allowed. Defender four to six feet far, you know, away uh, from them by the NBA tracking data. So they'll not only allow threes, Raheem, they'll allow open threes for shooters. My question was, Philly is actually in the bottom of the league in terms of frequency of shooting offensively. It's gone up a little since Harden's there, but do you, do you expect – as you call him Glenn because you refuse to call him Doc, do you expect him to change that up and actually ratchet up the attempts here with Harden in control? Yeah, I think they gotta just got to let Harden do his thing. And I think they'll eventually do that. I mean, we did see there was a game in which, I think it was, the, it was in March, Philadelphia played the Heat without Harden and Embiid and actually got the win. So I think there's a recipe there, and I think they can kind of duplicate it. Um, you know, for as far as this game, Tobias Harris is going to have to come up big. I think his over-under is only 17 and a half without MB in the lineup. He's actually scoring 21. So I took his over as well. I think that's a little underpriced. So, and that's what I was looking at, too. Obviously, Joel Embiid, leading scorer in the NBA, a fantastic offensive presence for Philadelphia, but he's tremendous on defense. You have an on-ball defender that's not going to be out there and Kyle Lowry. I was kind of surprised that this total is as low as like 208 and a half. This is going to get higher by the time we get the tip-off tomorrow, right? Oh, yeah, I, I think so, too. I was very surprised by this. I mean, like, 208 is, like, kind of the stone ages as far as the <laughs> NBA total. So, I I, I would kind of lean over. But, I mean, we know that Miami, they, they do kind of have scoring droughts. And then, I mean, the Sixers, they, I mean, there's no MB. So, but I, I would go over on it. All right, let's go to the other series, too. I want to get your thoughts on them. Again, Raheem Palmer with us. First, let's go Dallas and Phoenix. So, I, I'm really intrigued. This is... 
arguably maybe the best series uh, on paper. I'm really excited to watch it. Uh, this matchup between these two, and throw we, you go back, regular season doesn't mean anything. They only played three times. Two of them were in November. Luca missed those two games. Um, so I'll get, I'll get this. We're looking at a series price of about $3 or higher on the Phoenix Suns. Uh, BetMGM has reported that their highest ticket count on the, is on the Suns to win the series. Highest handle is on the Suns to win the series. Their biggest liability is on the Suns to win the series. I'm kind of surprised by the overwhelming support for Phoenix here. Like, I like this Suns team, Raheem, but did we sleep on the last, you know, from the beginning of 2022, the Mavericks were arguably one of the better teams of the NBA? Yeah, I, I feel the exact same way as you. And, I, like, look, I mean, this Suns team, I think they're solid. But the one thing about this Suns team is that I, I never thought that they had an extra gear. Like, this is a team who is a perimeter-oriented team, which mostly takes mid-range shots. And I know they have DeAndre Ayton, who could be a major key in this series, but <laughs> they're only 30th in, in frequency of field goal attempts at the rim. So they're not taking a lot of shots at the rim. They're not taking a lot of threes, the shots that you analytically a team wants to take. And they're facing a Mavericks team who can just absolutely light it up from three. So I think, look, as good as the Suns execute, I think Luka is going to be able to cause some problems. He's going to be able to hunt. Chris Paul and Devin Booker, as long as he doesn't have bridges on them <laughs> for large parts of this series, I think they're live to actually win this series and at least keep it close. Like, the only <laughs> – and my coworker always killed me for saying this, but the only team Luka has lost to has been the title favorite over the last two years. I mean, you needed basically the new version of Michael Jordan and Kawhi Leonard and Paul George to beat this team in six or seven games. So I think the Suns are, are being overvalued here. I think the Mavericks, I mean, with their ability to shoot the three, they they really have a shot. But it's just, I mean, the Suns team, they execute so well. And the one problem I have with the Mavericks is that their crunch time offense is really problematic. And you're looking at a Suns team, which is 33-9 and in a clutch, net rating of 33. And this is a close, like in close games, I could see them, I could see the Mavericks just losing. So, so that's the tough thing for me. Let me ask you really quickly on those. we got 60 seconds left. Do you not believe in the the Mavericks turnaround in crunch time because the clutch minutes for them have gotten better over the last like two months? I don't like because yeah. I mean even when you when we saw I think it was game was a game five yeah it, it's just like the, the, the Mavericks it was just like no not game five I think it was game four it was just like the yeah. Mavericks are up four and they kind of choked that away and it's just like you see down the clutch it's just less. Lucas step back three, which is, is great, but he tends to fade. Like, I, I kind of look at him and James Harden the same way. They're such ball-dominant scorers, and they run these heliocentric offenses, but down the stretch, it's just like, you got to get some more movement. You got to kick it out the bunting a little bit more. It's got to be more than just a step back three or dish it out to somebody. So, I just need to see a little bit more from them before I can trust them in the clutch because, I mean, for the last two years, and even if you go back to oh, Chris, Chris Paul's time in Oklahoma City, He's always run one of the best clutch offenses in the league. So that's a concern for me. Follow him on Twitter. I am Rostradamus. Raheem, dude, it's always good to talk to you. Really appreciate it, man. Always an honor, man. Yep. Raheem Palmer, again, uh, you always want to read and take in the information of smart people. Raheem's one of them. Check out the work there. We'll come back with Doug Kazeri. Beeson Spring Specials here. Only 59 bucks. You're going to get everything Beeson has to offer from now to the end of July. Next few months going to be filled with the best betting content in the biz right here at Beeson.com. Subscribers are going to have access to all of it. Adam Burke's got daily MLB best bets. Andy McNeil is going to break down all the action on the ice. His uh, first-round playoff preview up in the NHL for the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, myself, I'm going to have best bets all the way through the NBA Finals, of course. Lots of NFL preseason coverage as well, including all the other sports you like. And the Kentucky Derby betting guide. How about that? All that and more, $59. Subscriber through July 31st. Sign up now, vcin.com slash break.
All right, let's welcome in Doug Kazarian, host Daily Wager over on ESPN. Doug, it's good to talk to you. Uh, how'd you make out with this uh, wild and wacky game between the Warriors and the Grizzlies, sir? I uh, did okay. Did okay. I uh, had the team total for the Warriors. You and I were texting before the game. Just you know, such a we were just saying like how much of a coin flip game this is going to be. We leaned Warriors, but I felt more comfortable that the Warriors would be able to get their points. And I didn't think you know with Memphis how they or lack thereof defended the three point line the previous series. I thought the Warriors would come to play and have their look. Now got there late, but I did have a middle I set up with in game wagering uh, minus one and a half. And plus five and a half that I got when they went up six and called the timeout in the fourth quarter. And, of course, Clay Thompson's missed free throws, certainly not doing me any favors. Yeah, 90% free throw shooter misses two free throws. But I was making the case earlier, Doug, uh, he's a 90% free throw shooter, but he averages just about two per game, if that. So uh, you can hit 90% of them, but when you don't shoot that many, it's kind of tough in a high leverage situation at both of them. Yeah, I just needed one. I just <laughs> needed one, but, you know. Win some, lose some. You get lucky here and there. I've got Grayson Allen last week missing one. That helped uh, me hit the under in a game. So it happens. It goes around, comes around, you know. All right, so how much uh, – so we're seeing numbers pop up for game two here. Golden State two with a total of 226, 227. A big adjustment, by the way, in terms of the total here. It opened up pre-flop at 217 for game one. So obviously after what we just saw, the market making a, an adjustment there. But what do we take away from this A Memphis team who was taking on Golden State, who had Draymond Green to get ejected in this contest, had a double-digit lead early in the – it was in the first half, but still, every opportunity – At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. It was there for Memphis. They couldn't get it done. Uh, what do you make of this as we kind of move forward here for the Grizzlies as they get up to game two? Well, I thought Morant played great, and uh, especially kind of answering a defense that was daring him to shoot uh, when they put Gary Payton Jr. on him and gave everything underneath. I think it was the key, the issue here was Brooks and not having an effective day and, and Bain as well. I mean, that, that's what did them in. Jackson carried him a little bit in the second half. Morant was great the entire game. And then obviously the rebounding helped Brandon Clark. I think the, the Grizzlies are just fine here. I, I just think they can't allow the Warriors, especially when they go small, to get those rebounds yeah. and get multiple possessions. But you also have to think Clay's going to have a better game shooting moving forward because he was spectacular in the last series. And today, just three of 10 in the other series, he was hitting five or six. So I thought Curry played great today. That was huge. Poole played fantastic. And I expect Clay to kind of regress to what we saw the last series. You're, you're a zigzag guy? I can be. I just think this series, I, I, I prefer the zigzag in like the first round um, when you have bigger spreads. And you can lose the cover. Yeah. And then also you have teams that kind of just don't have the chops to win both games on the road. It's more more predictable. I, I, 
I think this is a series where both of these guys, both these teams, are just going to not let the other one go on that big of a run. And they're just too competitive and too good to have any sort of one-sided game. So I think we're going to see a lot of tight games here. Yeah, adjusted series price, too, by the way. Warriors pop it up minus 450, minus 475, depending on where you shop that minus 450 on the series price over at the uh, Westgate Superbook. Uh, all right, let's move to the game we saw earlier today in that series. Uh, so the Bucks get it done. I, you know, I was talking about this earlier in the show, Doug. I thought, like, watching that first quarter, I was on Milwaukee, and I'm like, man, I think I'm going to lose this. It doesn't look good. But then at the end of the first quarter, they're up, and uh, they end up taking care of business. I kind of attested it to it, and the Celtics actually put voice to this. I think it's kind of almost a shock to play a team like Brooklyn, who doesn't play that well defensively, to then go and face Milwaukee, where you got you don't have a help defender like Giannis anywhere on the floor when you're taking on Brooklyn. They're physical. They're coming up. They're picking you up the entire length of the floor. It was just kind of a shock to the system to play somebody that adequate defensively after the first-round series. I'm not too worried about Boston, but did you see anything that would make you worry about the Celtics as you move forward? Well, I mean, I, I think the what you said, the physicality, right? Boston was just not getting that resistance. Nets played OKD at times, but just not from a physical standpoint. And the length and then Giannis filling the break or leading the break down the middle of the lane, I think that's like unguardable when it's a three-on-two. You can just sidestep around anyone and dunk it. I thought the Bucks played really well defensively with that physicality, and then also they shot the ball really well. Uh, you know, they were like ridiculous from three-point line compared to two-point line. Celtics will be okay. Uh, I think it's a must-winning game, too, obviously. Tatum's got to have a big game. But just in general, the Celtics sort of swagger was kind of, I don't know, they had a reality check a little bit and saying, like, they're not the only you know game in town in terms of tough defense and can shoot the three. I, I think guys like Pritchard, those guys will hit more threes. Grant Williams, all that stuff. I think they'll play better. The problem is the Bucks are the Bucks are loaded, man. The Bucks are, like, really, really good. And we've talked about it before with, once you break through, sometimes the dam is just broken. Like Phil Mickelson got over the hump, won a bunch of majors after that, after he finally got that one. I wonder if Milwaukee's just got some confidence and some ease to them now that they finally did get over the hump, Bud got the, got the title. Now do they just play open and free and need that much better? Well, and they got the wake-up call in the first round, right? When you go through a lackadaisical performance against Chicago in game two and you lose, I think that helped them out too because uh, they were not taking that as seriously and they were prone to that. I think it helps them that they got rid of that and get the first round as opposed to here in Boston where uh, historically they don't perform very well in game ones. All right, so again, for game two, Boston four-point favorite, total of 215, a 214 and a half. Let's go to a couple of these other series before we get you out of here. Uh, first off, Mavericks and Suns. I was espousing that I was somewhat surprised uh, that the market is all in, it seems, on the Phoenix Suns. They're a $3 favorite in the series. Uh, your colleagues over at ESPN, the prediction poll, 20 writers all picked the Phoenix Suns to win the series against the Dallas Mavericks. I, I like this Mavericks team a lot, Doug, and well, I do think you know, the, the Suns obviously deserve to be favored, and ultimately if you twist my arm, I'd say they win the series. I'm just surprised by the overwhelming support. MGM's got the most liability on them to win the Suns. Where are you at with this series? Well, a couple things. In terms of picking, it's classic case. You're going to pick the team that you think is better, and they are on paper, and then you know you don't have to eat crow if you pick the Suns, the one seed, the number one overall seed, and they, and they get better upset. So it's kind of just like an easier play, but the Suns are pretty solid. I mean, Luca's in a lot of ways, just like a one-man band, so to speak, right? The role players all play well. Brunson's been spectacular. This Utah team was coming apart at the seams, and they're already doing it, you know, game or two after with, with Gobert lotting uh, Booker's defense. So I, I just think this team was so fragile, this Utah team. And the Suns are a much different story, and the Suns have home court. 
and the Suns have Booker back healthy. I think it's going to be a really tough ask for Dallas to continue playing the stellar defense they've been playing in this calendar year. But if anyone can pull off a one sort of all-star led group against the Suns team, it is Luka. I mean, it has kind of Dirk vibes, right? So uh, they obviously won that impressive title in 2011 with the one kind of stud leading the way in Dirk. I, I have to take the Suns. I mean, I just it's really hard to imagine four out of seven. But Barkley said a lot of interesting things last week, talking about CP3. It, it is hard when you're at that stage of your career. And he's 36 right now and been, been in the league that long. And to, to be consistent, have good, really, really, really top elite games back-to-back. So the, the second game in New Orleans, I believe, he barely played in the second half because he was exhausted. Remember, at the end of the first half, they showed him how exhausted he was. He had very limited minutes in the second half, and I just think that's the adjustment. So guys like Booker, you can count on back-to-back games, but I just don't know if we can get that from CP3. We sort of saw that in the finals last year, and it's really hard when you're a veteran like that to have excellent elite games, and that's something to keep in the back of our minds. Yep. All right, last two minutes. Uh, you're going to get in the uh, involved in the mess either from a game perspective tomorrow or a series perspective with Philly and Miami. Uh, I think I just kind of. I, I do not believe in Harden. That the Embiid injury changes everything. I, if, if I had to do anything, I would lay it with the Heat. But I, I, it's a big number, man. I, I don't think I can because the Sixers. I mean, they have some impressive uh, like role players. They've had some impressive performances during the regular season when. Both those guys were out. Didn't they go into Miami and win without Harden yep. and Embiid? Yep. They've done things like that. So I, I just it's a it's a lot of it's a lot of the minivan. I don't know if I can handle <laughs> handle a lot of jump shots and needing that uh, to go as well. So uh, I don't think I can grab the points. It's too many. But I might have to lay. We'll see. I'll, I'll fiddle around with it, maybe. Last 60, any player prop, uh, team total trends, anything to keep an eye on uh, for our viewers in the next round, next couple of days? Well, I think this team, we're going to see some scoring in this in this Golden State-Memphis team, uh, Memphis series. So, I like, I mean, we've got to continue with this Grizzlies first quarter team total, right? It hit again, and they yeah. come out like gangbusters. And also, I, I felt like the pace of Bucks celtics was pretty high. I was doing some in-game overs that lost today. I, I, I feel like they're trying to shoot before each team's defense sets up. So, I want to take a closer look at that and go over some of the analytics that once they're computed and provided, just it's, a, it's, it's something to be mindful of. When you're factoring in, you know, these totals, it's like not, I mean, it went under 200 points, right? So uh, something, the total may not be that high. You have to beat. All right, Doug. Hey, we appreciate hopping on, man. Thank you very much. You got it, JVT. Anytime. You got it, Doug. ESPN up on Twitter, Doug Kazarian. You can watch it. I'll watch him, Daily Wager on ESPN. All right. Uh, we'll get to our recaps in the second hour. We're also going to talk to Patrick Everson, props.com, as we get the uh, bookmaker side of this. Have the new betting splits feature on VEASAN.com before you place your next bet. Every day we post the latest splits with the percentage of bets. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.